What's going on, guys? It's Danny from Fantasy Stock Exchange here, bringing the the second installment of my waiver wire show that I'm actually hosting every Tuesday for you guys. So again, going to be following up the basically recap of Week Two, what we what type of players we should be looking for going into Week Three. Obviously, the world is less than fifty percent owned on Yahoo, so going to be going over the top priority waiver wire additions for this week. So again, if you guys watch Week Two everybody's lineups basically were decimated by injuries. I know for myself, especially in my one home league, Saquon Barkley, Will Fuller, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, AJ Brown, all on one team. So that's rough. If you guys are like me and are absolutely being decimated by injuries in your starting lineup, tune in today because there are some very valuable, very high upside options on the waiver wire for this week. So if you're not paying attention, you are going to miss out because as I'll go over, you'll see plenty of options, especially to thrust into your lineup as soon as even next week, as soon as even for week three. So stay tuned. But before we go into that, let's hit the intro. Okay, so as I was mentioning, uh, I'll be going over the top waiver wire priorities for this week. So starting off, we're going to go with the quarterback position. The number one pickup for this week is Ryan Tannehill, quarterback from the Tennessee Titans. So his current ownership on Yahoo is at 46%. Quickly glossing over his week two, you guys can see it on the screen, but week two against Jacksonville, 239 passing yards, four passing touchdowns, four carries for 12 yards on the ground for 26.76 uh, points. Uh, week uh, in four point passing touchdown league. So just looking over the matchup for this week in week three, he's actually traveling to the Minnesota Vikings. Again, Minnesota secondary has been absolutely shredded in the first two weeks of the season by the Packers and the Colts. And that young secondary is going to have struggles against Tannehill. I think he's going to have a solid day. And this is still a player in Ryan Tannehill who over his last 13 total starts dating back to last year, since he took over the job from Marcus Mariota has averaged 23.38 fantasy points per game. Overall, Tannehill has proven to be a solid and capable quarterback one for your team, despite the low passing volume, simply due to the little bit of rushing you get with him and the incredible efficiency that Ryan Tannehill has shown over these those 13 starts. So until he shows otherwise, he's a locked-in top 12 quarterback and a quarterback one in one quarterback leagues, a fine even quarterback one in, in Superflex, but definitely more valuable, obviously, in Superflex, as you guys would know. Um, and should perform as such week in, week out, especially this week against that Vikings defense. So I'm assuming he's already owned in a lot of Superflex leagues because every quarterback's going to be owned. But in one quarterback league, if you're in a pinch and you need a starting quarterback ASAP, I would be fine bidding between 5 and 7% on Tannehill. Again, 7% at the max if you're desperate for a quarterback one because, again, in one QB, quarterbacks are still kind of a diminish. But if you can get him for 7 bucks against that Minnesota Vikings, plug him in. He's most likely going to score 20-plus points this week yet again. So feel comfortable with Ryan Tannehill as your quarterback one. So the second name we're going to mention today amongst the quarterbacks, as you guys can see on the screen, Gardner Minshew, quarterback from the Jacksonville Jaguars. So if you've been watching the channel for a while, you know myself and Bush have been tooting the horn for that mustache man over there in Florida in Gardner Minshew. But just glossing over his week two, actually facing against the Titans, he uh, threw for 339 passing yards and three touchdowns. 
did throw two picks, but he also had four carries for 19 yards for a 23.46 point output in that week. So week three, he plays the Miami Dolphins at home. Miami has allowed both Cam Newton and Josh Allen to absolutely shred their defenses in the past two weeks to open the season. For reference, Cam Newton, week one, 25.7 points. The last week against Josh Allen, he had 34.8 points against this defense. Again, while Gardner doesn't have the rushing volume of those guys, he's still been able to put up nine total rushing attempts in the first two weeks of the season. So Mitchie has shown both uh, his mixture of passing volume and efficiency can validate quarterback one potential. And again, against that Miami defense that has struggled, he is poised to do so. So if you're talking about five potential, I mentioned five to 7% for Tannehill. I would say 5% is a good a good uh, basis for Minshew as well. Again, love the matchup and love Minshew. Just get him cheap and under the radar option because people are still disrespecting him. So let's get into the next position, the flavor, everybody's favorite position in fantasy football, and that is the running back position. There is one name that is clear as day, top of the priority, in my opinion, compared to anybody else in waivers this week, and that is Jarek McKinnon running back from the San Francisco 49ers. Current ownership on Yahoo at 26%. Glossing over his week two, okay, he didn't get a lot of volume, but he had three attempts for 77 rushing yards and a touchdown and also garnered a target. The reason why he is the main priority pickup for this week is both the other running backs in Raheem Moser and Tevin Coleman both left the game against the Jets early with injuries to their knees. So Jarek McKinnon is the guy there. If you're looking at week three, Giants have allowed decent rushing success in each of the first two games, allowing both the Steelers and the Bears to rush for 141 and 135 yards respectively. And the lead backs of those games in Benny Snell and David Montgomery had very productive fantasy football days. Jarek McKinnon is a must, a must pickup. I mean, if you're looking at the injuries, for example, just talking about Tevin Coleman specifically because that's the one we have the most information on currently, Kyle Shanahan has literally gone on record for saying he's not optimistic about a potential return uh, timeline for Coleman. And Raheem Mostert, as I'm recording this, has already been ruled out for Sunday at the minimum with an MCL sprain. McKinnon is walking into a lead back role where two years ago, upon initial signing, he was handpicked by Kyle Shanahan to be the back for that system. Now he gets that backfield to himself in a positive matchup against the Giants. I mean, he's a locked and loaded top 20 back for the foreseeable future with both Mostert and Coleman out. And even when Mostert comes back, due to the efficiency and the pass-catching prowess that McKinnon holds, he can be a very good RB3 flex option for you week in and week out, even with Mostert in the lineup. So if you're talking about fab potential, this is a guy where you're bidding around 50 to 60% on this guy easily, easily. Uh, and that's a max budget, assuming that you guys are, say, 100, you bid 50 to 60 bucks. If you have 70 bucks left, I would still bid 50 to 60 bucks on this guy because the potential, the upside that he possesses without those two's backs initially, and even when uh, Moser comes back specifically because Coleman's timeline is so iffy, I love Jarek McKinnon. And you guys would have known about him if you watched, quick little plug on the channel, Bush's Mustone Sleepers video. By the way, that video, nearly 45K views. Appreciate you guys for busting those numbers up. But again, that sleeper video, you would have had McKinnon and you would have been reaping the benefits instead of paying that 50 to 60 bucks. But if you missed out, he is worth that 
50 to 60% fab potential of your overall budget. So enough said about McKinnon. He is a top 20 back for me until we see otherwise. So Josh Kelly is the next guy on the list. So as you guys can see on the screen, current 39% ownership on Yahoo in week two was able to garner 23 rushing attempts for 64 rushing yards and three targets with two receptions for 49 receiving yards against the Kansas City Chiefs. Going into week three, basically the most positive matchup you can look for as a fantasy football running back, he plays the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers have been absolutely decimated by opposing rushing attacks in the first two weeks of the season, allowing both Josh Jacobs and Leonard Fournette to run rampant on them. Next up, we got the Chargers' new duo of Austin Eckler and Josh Kelly. So, again, the main thing with Josh Kelly, well, the main question mark we had in the Chargers' offense uh, for the offseason, who's going to consume the Melvin Gordon role? Josh Kelly is the new Melvin Gordon for the LA Chargers. If you're looking at it, the first two weeks of the season, he's earned significant playing time and volume over those two weeks. Austin Eckler is by far the, the one back, the main back to own in the backfield, but Kelly still has consistent flex appeal and potential RB2 matchup upside given the, uh, the matchup on a per week basis. Like, if you have to put him in your RB2 for this week against the Panthers, I would feel more than comfortable doing so. So go pick him up and feel comfortable putting him in your lineup even as soon as this week. If we're talking fat potential, if we have McKinnon at 50 to 60%, I'll put uh, Josh Kelly at about 35 to 40%. Again, his long-term value looks locked down. Kelly looks like a weekly safe RB3 flex for your fantasy squads. And we saw the, go, uh, the volume that Gordon got in the role that Kelly's operating in last year. 204 touches in 12 games. If Josh Kelly is seeing between 15 and 17 at minimum touches per game, he's going to have consistent value. So go pick him up off your waivers. Next up on the running back position, we're actually going to be going over Miles Gaskin, running back from Miami. So 15% ownership in Yahoo. So just glossing over his week two, as you can see on the screen, uh, versus Buffalo, seven carries for 46 rushing yards and six or seven targets for six receptions and 36 receiving yards. Week three, goes up against that Jacksonville Jaguars defense. Now, Jaguars, for the most part, have been much improved against the run to start the early portion of the, scene, the season. But, I mean, that's still a team that struggled all of 2019. So, if you're looking at it, yes, they played well the first two weeks, but we'll see if they can keep that up against a, uh, the Dolphins this week. So, going into it, regardless of matchup in, reg in particular anyways, Miles Gaskin has shown that he is the back-to-own for the Dolphins. Leading the backfield in both touches the last two weeks, snap shared the last two weeks. If you're actually breaking down the snap and touch total that he's received over the last two weeks, for reference, he's received 49% of the total Miami running back touches and a 65% total snap share. So if you're talking about fat potential, again, I mentioned McKinnon 50 to 60%, Kelly 35-40. I'd be more than comfortable bidding about 25 to 30 on Gaskin. I do think he can give you uh, RB3 flex appeal uh, for the foreseeable future, given how he's been used in the offense. So he, it seems like a shock. Everybody expected Jordan Howard, Matt Breida to fight for that role. But Miles Gaskin has way outperformed both of them. So those are the main three pickups at the running back position. A couple honorable mentions I do have to address. Mike Davis, running back from Carolina, did see a good target output last week, eight catches last week when McCaffrey went out. With McCaffrey out four to six weeks, he could provide you some little PPR value, in my opinion, though. Don't expect, if you're picking up Mike Davis, don't expect him to replace C-Max production. He could be a solid 
uh, low-end RB2, high-end RB3 for you. But realistically, with C-Mac out, that offense is going to be a lot more pass-centric and rely on more of a committee from the backfield. So another option is Daryl Henderson running back from the Rams at 31% ownership on Yahoo. And this is specifically because of the Cam Akers injury. And Malcolm Brown, although he's slated to play, did suffer a pinky, I believe, injury last week. And Henderson, in that playing time he got, did look very efficient. So he would be the, the, the fifth option out of these guys, in my opinion. But definitely monitor that situation for the Rams' backfield and monitor any news that leaks on Tuesday uh, about Akers or Brown uh, and ultimately bumping up that bid for Henderson. Talking about bid for these two, Davis maybe, I don't know, like 8 bucks, 8 to 10%. Henderson probably around the same. So let's get into the wide receiver position. There's a couple very nice names available for you for this week. So... The main name that I really want to get into for this week, Nikhil Harry, wide receiver from the New England Patriots. Current 28% ownership on Yahoo. And just glossing over that week two against Seattle, as you can see on the screen, eight receptions on 12 targets, 72 uh, receiving yards in that game. So week three, he goes up against the Las Vegas Raiders. That Raiders pass defense has been much improved over the first two weeks again. Very good games that they've played so far against Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Brees and their teams respectively in the Carolina Panthers and the New Orleans Saints. But the New England Patriots have shown in these first two games that their revamped passing offense is at another level for the two first opponents for the Raiders. So if you're looking at Harry, he had a ridiculous 12 targets and his overall involvement in the offense for these first two weeks, I've, I've seen encouraging signs for that former first-round pick that they did spend on Harry. Again, we all know what Julian Edelman is able to provide. Nikhil Harry is the perfect complement to uh, Julian Edelman, operating as the primary outside wide receiver for the team. With 18 targets in his first two games, again, I mentioned 12 this week, six last week, uh, it just seems like Cam really trusts the second-year wide receiver, and he's shown that he is a talent, and he's improved significantly from that first-year injury-plagued year that he had as a rookie. So he is the top waiver-wire wide receiver this week due to both his current projected success and the projected long-term uses that he should see over the majority of the season for the Patriots. Talking about fat potential, mention the running backs a little bit higher, obviously, with the upside. But give, I'd be more than willing to bid around 20% on uh, Nikhil Harry for this week. Again, he's looked really good so far, and that rapport that he's developed with Cam Newton has shown to be very good uh, for the first two weeks of the season, we'll say. So just give me a second. I'll get into the next guy in a second. Sorry about that. Next option on the waiver wire. The clear uh, one, two, three is pretty close, but the number two that I actually have listed here is Corey Davis, wide receiver from the Tennessee Titans, currently at 42% ownership in Yahoo. So glossing over again that week two stat line against the Jaguars, three receptions on five targets, 36 receiving yards, three receiving touchdowns, or one receiving touchdown, sorry. Week three, he gets to go on the road against the Vikings. Again, kind of mentioned the Vikings pass defense when talking about Tannehill. Pretty pathetic. Now let's shift gears toward his current wide receiver one and Corey Davis. Again, A.J. Brown is hurt and has an unclear timeline with that bone bruise he suffered in his lower leg. With, with, with A.J. Brown being out, the main two options in the passing game for the Titans is going to be Corey Davis and it's going to be John o. Smith. We saw Corey Davis have an absolute barn murder in week one. John o. Smith have one in week two. In that positive game script matchup against the Vikings, 
both of them can have really good, really good outputs for this week. So if you're talking about fat potential, kind of mentioned him last week. If you didn't get him last week, uh, I bid upwards around 15%. He could be this year's Devontae Parker. We saw a similar situation with a, an unclear target distribution last year with the uh, Miami Dolphins. It could be the case this year, obviously, with A.J. Brown out for the Tennessee Titans. So if he's still sitting on your wire, waiver wire, put that 15% bid in. Feel comfortable if you get him. And he could be a definite, a definite flex-worthy player for you even as soon as next week against the Vikings. So definitely like myself, Corey Davis. Next option a member of that high-powered, highly vaunting passing attack that the Falcons have. It's not Calvin Ridley. It's not Julio Jones. It's not Hayden Hurst. It's going to be Russell Gage, wide receiver from the Atlanta Falcons. Current ownership in Yahoo at 22%. So as you can see on the screen, week two at the Cowboys, my Dallas Cowboys. Kind of why I have my voices lost right now, if you guys can hear that epic game. But going over those stats, six receptions on nine targets for 46 receiving yards and a receiving touchdown. Week three gets to go against the Chicago Bears. Yes, Chicago has held receivers relatively in check during the first two weeks. They kind of shut down Slayton last week, Marvin Jones in uh, week one in particular. But they have not gone up against a high, vaunting, passing offense that the Atlanta Falcons, I don't even know what I'm saying there. But either way, very good passing offense that the Atlanta Falcons are going to bring into that game. 64 points scored in the first two weeks of the season for the Atlanta Falcons. If you're talking about Russell Gage, I mean, he is such an intriguing option if he's still available on your waiver wire. He's garnered 21 Matt Ryan targets in the first two games of the season. En route to right now, 37 PPR points across the first two games, or the wide receiver 11. As the wide receiver three on the offense, he's the wide receiver 11 on the season right now. So, I mean, with the Falcons, we kind of already know the structure that they're going to have in the passing game, right? That work is going to be divided up between the four main options. Obviously, we know Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Hayden Hurst, and Russell Gage. He, Russell Gage is not an afterthought of that group. He is well within that uh, group, if you say. So uh, while I do think that while three can perform on each week and one may bust, as we saw week one, it was Hayden Hurst. Week two, it was Julio Jones. I do think there can kind of be volatility within it. But with the upside, with the target output that this offense can be able to do, I mean, the Falcons are going to lead the league in passing attempts this year. Russell Gage at about 15% foul potential, as I kind of mentioned for Corey Davis. I would bid around the same for Russell Gage. I mean, he's going to be a little, a little under the radar option in comparison to Davis simply because he's viewed as the wide receiver three. But the volume is so nice that he's, he's well worth that, so. Honorable mention, I'm going to quickly gloss over to LaVisca Chenault from the Jaguars, 17% ownership. Again, uh, we've seen the Jaguars being able to operate him in multiple facets of the game, giving him the ball in end arounds, giving him the ball out of the backfield, shallow passes. I mean, he is the new Debo Samuel. Obviously, Debo Samuel's out for the, for the 49ers. He is the, uh, the Jaguars version of Debo Samuel. They want to give that playmaker the ball in space. I mean, he's such a fantastic player in general. Jalen Regger. Wide receiver from Philadelphia. Again, this is still the fact that he's only at 35% ownership is pretty baffling to me. But make sure you go pick him up because he has the potential with a depleted wide receiver corpse for the uh, Philadelphia Eagles to definitely garner a ton of work on the outside for them. And finally, Traquan Smith, wide receiver from the New Orleans Saints, 13% ownership. Again, MT is out. He showed out on Monday Night Football. I'm recording this on Tuesday, but he looked really good last night. So if you're able to take a shot on him, little cheap option maybe 
again, for these honorable mention guys, I'd probably bid around 8 to 10% for Chanel and Rager and probably around 5 to 8% maybe for Traquan with MTL. But he did look good last night. Finally, we're going to get into the tight ends. And there's one main name that I need to mention. A couple of honorable mentions afterwards, but the main name that you need to pick up, that's Logan Thomas, tight end from the Washington football team. So <clears throat> his first two, or his last week, basically, I'll get into his first two weeks of the season, just so you can see how absolutely ridiculous he's being used. But week two against Arizona, four receptions on nine targets for 26 yards. Not a great day, but nine targets. Okay. Week three at Cleveland. Cleveland has allowed the likes of Drew Sample, CJ Uzama prior to his injury, and Mark Andrews to absolutely exploit them at the tight end position to start the season. Again, you're thinking this is a fluke, but in reality, that pedestrian linebacker and safety play that is on the Browns defense is going to make this an issue for them, similar to the Cardinals last year all season for the 2020 season for the Cleveland Browns. So if for the record, if you're playing DFS, anybody that's playing Cleveland for the rest of the season is going to be a fantastic play at tight end. But going into this again, this is uh, going to be no problem for an athletic marble like Logan Thomas, who profiles positively into this matchup against the Browns, as I mentioned. So Logan Thomas, again, I mentioned last week, the numbers weren't great, which may cause people in your league to just dismiss them. Don't fall for that. Don't fall for that. Thomas has garnered a ridiculous 26.5% target market share across the first two games for that red, or football team offense. If you want to see that in comparison, the wide receiver one, Terry McLaurin, has the exact same in target market share over these first two weeks, both of them at 26.5%. Once, Hart, once Haskins, sorry, and uh, Thomas start actually connecting on a more consistent basis. He has the potential to absolutely explode on an offense barren of many weapons outside of McLaurin and Antonio Gibson. So if you're talking about a potential this year's Darren Waller in terms of situation, in terms of athletic ability, Logan Thomas still has that opportunity to lock down that role given the absolute ridiculous volume he's been seeing across these first two weeks. So make sure he is not on your waiver wire. Again, I, in terms of fat potential, I'd probably say around 10% simply because he may be under the radar. If people in your league do know him, you have to bid 15, 18%, go for it. But in most leagues, he's kind of an underrated name. Oh, he didn't have a great game against the Cardinals, yada, yada, yada. Go pick him up because he is going to explode for the rest of the season, given that absolute ridiculous target share that he has. And him and Haskins are going to continue building that rapport. If Haskins is able to connect with Thomas on a more consistent basis, this is a tight end one for the rest of the season. So I love myself some Logan Thomas, one of my sleepers from the beginning of the offseason once he was named the starter for the Washington football team. So definitely excited about that. Audible mentions we can uh, briefly discuss. Dalton Schultz, again, recorded 10 targets, 9 receptions, and 88 receiving yards with a touchdown against the Atlanta Falcons. I'm a Cowboys fan, though. Wouldn't exactly trust that on a week-to-week -week basis. Again, uh, with Blake Jarwin out, I do still think that the passing game is mostly going to revolve around those trio of receivers in Gallup, uh, Lamb, and Amari Cooper. Dalton Schultz can have a fine game every now and then, and maybe a, like if, if you ha if you drafted him, which you wouldn't have, in best ball, uh, he could have a game every now and then. But ultimately here, uh, unless you can, if you get him for like five bucks, I don't mind that because he does have potential every now and then to give you an absolutely explosive week given the propensity of the Cowboys offense to score points. 
But uh, I would uh, like Dalton Schultz is clearly a, a, a notch below a guy like Logan Thomas, for example. And Mo Ali Cox is definitely an intriguing name. A little bit of a, uh, a short-term solution, depending on the health of Jack Doyle. But if Jack Doyle is con- going to continue to miss time, an athletic marble, or not marble, a little weird, marvel, like Mo Ali Cox, is definitely primed to build off of that 100-yard performance that he actually had this week against the Minnesota Vikings. So we're talking about Mo Ali Cox, again, former basketball player, actually played at the University of Baylor, I believe. No, it, it wasn't Baylor, but... Anyway, he played in March Madness, if you want to see how athletic he is. Former basketball player, can absolutely play above the rim in the NFL. And we saw last week, again, five receptions over 100 yards, showing an absolute ability to get the, those uh, high yards per target, if you say. So I definitely like myself some Mo Alley Cox if you can get him for cheap. Again, similar to Schultz, if you can get him in that five-buck range, three to five bucks. That, but Mo Alley Cox all kind of depends on the health status of Doyle. So monitor that. So those are the main offensive players I kind of want to get over for today. The main uh, defenses that I really want you guys to look for in terms of stream ability uh, for this week just so happens to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the Denver Broncos and the Indianapolis Colts against the New York Jets. So currently the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense is at 51% ownership against the Denver Broncos and the Colts uh, versus the New York Jets are at 43%. Clear top two defenses, in my opinion, obviously, with the news of Drew Locke missing time, Cortland Sun on IR, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense is going to be ferocious and absolutely annihilate Jeff Driscoll for this week. So keep them in mind. And also the Colts, we've seen how much of a dumpster fire the New York Jets are. Anybody who plays them this year is going to be a streamable defense. So keep those two main defenses in mind when you're making your waiver claims for this week. But again, don't for the record, don't spend a waiver priority on a defense, but after the waiver priority period, or if you're in a fab system, bid zero, get one of these guys. You won't be, uh, you won't be disappointed. So talking about those defenses. And aside from that, I mean, just went over the overall waivers for entering week three. If you guys enjoyed the video, made it this far, make sure you go leave a like, subscribe, and comment down below what are your thoughts on the top waivers for this week. But this is Danny bringing you this every week, every Tuesday for you guys to ultimately win you your championships. Aside from that, See you next Tuesday. Peace out, y'all.